All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. Ito na, medyo women business. Okay, women, this, this episode is about a grand strategy for a middle power, right? And we are talking about, of course, the Philippines, right? Which for a very long time has been, the misnomer has been a small power. I think that's 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 factually problematic and in many ways insulting or at least confining in terms of ambition. So let's talk about the Philippines. Let's talk about the Philippines. So, um, uh, let's start with you, Miko. Is the Philippines, in your opinion, already a middle power? I mean, at least in terms of like 30 biggest economies, 15 biggest population, some modernization that is happening, the armed forces, almost an upper middle income country. Uh, if India can be talked about as a superpower already, despite their very low per capita of barely $3,000, and maybe our $4,000 per capita should not prevent us from going there. I mean, what is your reading on that? What makes us a potential middle power or already an emergent middle power? Yeah, I think we are an emerging uh, middle power, but uh, not quite there yet. Uh, you know, we are on our way there. You know, uh, definitely. You want to speak louder? Sorry, Miko, Major Mahina. Uh, yeah, yes, please speak louder. Yes, much better now. Yeah. Okay. Or you want to take out I your think... earphones? Baka mas malakas pa. Uh, now, now better. Okay, yeah, please, yeah, just yeah. a little bit louder. Thank uh, you. Yeah, as I mentioned a while ago, no, uh, we are on our way there. We are an emergent or emerging uh, middle power, but not quite there yet. Uh, not yet, definitely not yet in the tier of, uh, of uh, South Korea, Japan, and so on, or Australia even. I think, yun nga, even in yung sa metrics ng Lowy Institute, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we are classified as a as a middle power, we are on the lower end mm. of that uh, ranking. No? So uh, maybe uh, I'll stop there. Now we are emerging, but not there yet. Okay. Uh, we're a nudge lower, perhaps. Uh, our, uh, Josh, do you think we're at the cost or we have already crossed the threshold? It's just that we have to recognize it. Uh, I, we've had many, I've had many, many conversations about this. And what happened to is that Oh Josh, you're just doing a a half full, half empty na na argument dito. No, pero ang argument ko dito kasi, if you look at the threshold, we are we are a low tier middle power. Yun lang, if you we're going to have to nuance it, we're a low tier middle power. I, we have to put that into context. Hindi naman tayo dapat uh, mag-asta na parang Japan, South Korea because we're not Okay. We're, not so, we need, we're not a full fledged. We're not a full fledged. Parang, we're a small middle power. Like, parang Because if I want on, so Justin can pitch in on this one and also Miko. Because when you look at the military power, of course, ang titignan natin dito, we don't have these capabilities militarily. Pero kung titignan mo yung granularity or ng 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 defense uh, ng ng military power natin. Ang pinakamataas natin doon is combat experience. Hindi natin pinag-uusapan 'yon. I would say ang right, problema right. kasi ng IR na literature is that we focus so much on material, on the material but not also not but hindi natin din ini-include yung non-material. Stephen Biddle in his 2006 book Military Power mentioned that as his core argument. When you talk about military power, you also have to take into account yung mga non, uh, non-quantitative uh, measurements such as doctrine, force employment. Sorry for like cutting that. you so, there. Josh, uh, I think that's why some are saying Ukraine now probably has one of the most powerful land forces in the world. 
Because exactly. they're the most combat-ready Western-oriented uh-oh. military, right? And they I don't know, I don't know whether Russia. Justin and Miko uh, ha- have their own take on that one. Pero if you look at military power, huwag naman sana tayong tumingin lamang doon sa usual, no? at the surface. Of course, kulang tayo. Dapat natin tandaan yan. Pero look, we have to take into account yung idea na yung adaptability ng ating armed forces. Ako, ay, ay, saludo ako sa Armed Forces of the Philippines, particularly yung three services. Kasi kapag bigyan mo sila ng gamit, they're willing to learn, train with them, adaptable sila. And and heck, come on, kung titignan mo yung US Army, uh, they have been so dependent on GPS. All right? Pero tayo, hindi tayo reliant sa GPS kasi wala tayong GPS na, na pwedeng gamitin for our, uh, uh, for, for across tactical and operational level. Pero we have been uh adaptable to through map reading. Kung titingnan mo yung US Army basic training right now, nakarelay na nga sila ngayon doon sa map reading, no? And gustong-gusto nila tong mga tong balikatan sa Lacnib Army exercises for the reason that itong mga Filipinos know how to read the map. Kung titingnan mo kasi yung future, yung, yung yung future scenario of a multi-domain warfare, ang argument ko dito, the first thing that will shut down is cyber. Cyber Right? which means yung information from the global positioning system, it will likely shut down. That's why we have to, the, it's most likely that our soldiers will rely or all, all other soldiers would rely on maps to read. Sa akin, yung ability to, to read the map, may strategic effect siya no? the, of our combat power. No? Yung combat experience natin, we have we have been so adaptable. In, in other words, combat power, military power, not that usually tinitira na, na a, a flaw of being a middle power, I would rather differ dito. I, I, th- I think doon muna. No? And at the same time, defense networks. For that reason, yung combat experience natin ay malakas. I would argue, we, in terms of combat experience, mas efficient tayo compared to Singaporean armed forces. Right. So, Before so could, yeah, yeah. That that's so. Very, so, conti- yeah. so, so in other words, uh, we're we're a middle power. Kung titignan mo na maige, so hindi to usapin ng half full, half empty na glass of water, but rather we are inviting everyone to take into the granularity of things. Of course, hindi tayo pwedeng, you know, mag mag inflate na mga indicators, but something na sa natin. No, I mean, for me, Josh, I mean, I think, you know, this is the classic type one, type two error, but, you know, one type of error is thinking something's there, which is not there. The other error is thinking something's not there, which is there. And I think here it's like a false negative problem. I, I don't think the problem is overestimating the Philippines. I think the tendency is actually underestimating the Philippines. I remember there was this, you know, usually my friends make reddits about me to bash me. And one of the articles they bash was, uh, I, I had an article about the Philippines as a middle power, because my argument, argument is very simple. Middle powers are known for three things, right? They're coalition builders, so they're good multilateralists, good citizens of the international community. Check Taijan. Uh, they they have a certain degree of credibility, uh, meaning they bring something positive to the table and can get the respect and uh, of others. We have played that role in G77. We have played that role increasingly even with G7 countries. And lastly, is certain level of you know um of strategic autonomy, right? Certain level of capability that gives you some at least close to green water capability. Uh-huh. And I would say. In one way or another, we are we are ticking all the boxes. Not ten out of ten, but at least six or seven out of ten. I would say pasado tayo uh-uh. in each of this uh this criteria that is mentioned. Uh-uh. Now speaking of the the uh 
what you were mentioning, which is very good, uh, which is combat readiness. I remember this, oh. this whole thing about Philippines beating the American F-22 with an FA-50 in a recent exercises. And a few years ago, so electronic warfare, ASEAN, China, war games, the Philippines came on top and everyone was shocked. Exactly. So when we're given the, forget about Ferraris, we're just given, a, I don't know, low-end BMW, we can beat the Lamborghinis. This is what we have proven over and over again. Oh, so oh. it completely proves what you're saying. So, yeah. so, so, so ano, i-extend ko lang, no? Yung usual na argument kasi, pag may mga ganitong dra, uh, exchange sa mga militaries natin, usually ang framing is that humihingi tayo ng bagong gamit. Try to put it this way. Nandito sila because they want to learn from what we are doing. It's also transactional. We get, we get the stuff and we should and they get the training and they get the operational experience. Sana man lang tignan natin yun, lalo na mga, sa mga friends nating mga quote-unquote think tanks. Sir, if I may just add, it's a point. Please, go ahead. Uh, I can confirm uh, na part talaga ng training niya kasi I, I underwent training this year. Uh, yung map reading. And it's a very big part of uh, of uh, our military training. And yung, not just in a, in a classroom. Of course, may classroom instruction niya. But uh, we have a field training exercise where we try, actually, in the field, no? yung, yung uh, map reading. Um, I, I think I, I want to chip in on this yes, part. Yes, go ahead, Justin, please. Itong discussion on the middle powers, I want to reframe the discussion because when we say you're a middle power, it's a broad category, right? Of basically every country that isn't a superpower but is of sizable importance. It's a spectrum. It's a spectrum, yeah. So it can range from countries like uh, Japan, um, South Korea, etc. to something like the Philippines, which we all know they're very far apart from each other. So I think the conversation has to be reframed, right? So it's not just what you have, the power that you have, economic, political, military, etc. But it's about grand strategy. Grand strategy has three things, right? Ways, means, and ends. Means, what are the resources you have? Ways, how do you do, how do, you do that? How do you utilize those resources? But more importantly, what are the ends? What is the what? What is, ano yung strategic goals, objectives of, of the country, right? Now, middle powers have very common objectives, like, um, to have um, a high GDP per capita for its population, um, to live comfortably, no, yung mga pamilya, to have a good population uh, dividend, and so forth. But in the Philippine case, when you look at all our strategic documents, yung ambition natin, 2040, etc., the, the economic uh, agenda of the Marcos administration, it's very, it, to be frank about it, it's very basic, no? basic aspirational things. Now, kahit tanggalin mo yung Pilipinas from the name of the document, every country in the world wants to to have that. So, if we're talking about national interest, I think dapat natin i-correct na we need to aspire for some things that are more concrete. No? So, for example, yung Singapore, um, yung strategy niya of attracting yung industrial manufacturing no? in the 1960s, 70s from, from, from first world countries and then it used that and then eventually it moved um, yung supply chain building niya. Now, Singapore is an advanced country that's more reliant on capital and technology, right? So, yung, yung sa Philippines kasi, we don't really see that kind of um, forward-looking uh, trajectory, the intention of the government. So, I think, for example, West Philippines issue, do we, do we have a national commitment that in certain number of years, our goal is to push out China from the maritime zones, uh, a majority of the maritime zones in the West Philippine Sea? And if we don't have it, why not? Because we keep on talking about middle power this, middle power economy, etc. But 
what's the objective here? Right? Kahit na maging middle power tayo, if China controls important sea lines of communication around our country, what on earth is being middle power for? Right? So we have to relate being middle power with a clear um, set of objectives. That's what I'm talking about. Kumbaga, kumbaga brother Justin, eh, ang sinasabi natin dito is that middle power is just happened because we want to do something for ourselves. Exactly. Middle power is about you. Be, you. It's about power. But what is the purpose that you're going to use that power for? That's the more important thing. Because um, yung power is it's what you have, right? Your, your means. But what is your aspiration? That's the thing we have to figure out. Well, speaking of aspiration, I think geography explains a lot. We're smack right in the middle of the first and second island chain, two of which, both of which actually China wants to dominate a little bit more successful in one than the other, right? And to make it even more interesting, we're next to Taiwan, right? Closer to Taipei than any major ASEAN capital. So my argument here is either you go middle power or you go home, right? Or maybe become a province of China. Do you get what I'm arguing? My argument here is we have no choice but to step up. So for almost a century, we have been under this illusion that A, we can just be under America's strategic umbrella and that will take care of everything and we're not alone. The Japanese have had to deal with that. The Europeans, especially during the Ukraine war, woke up to that reality. The other one is our geography is our blessing. We're so far away from everyone, we're not going to be threatened. Well, guess what? That perhaps explains why we don't have a strong strategic culture because of complacency. But B, actually things are the opposite right now. Our maritime borders are very much the borders that superpowers want to dominate or preserve their dominance. So, so this is the time where we have no choice. You go, go up or you go home, right? In this case, go home to China, right? So I think that's the context within which I want to talk about it. Now, let's go to the next issue, grand strategy, grand strategy. Now, before we can talk about grand strategy, let's talk about some basic capability development. Now, gentlemen, all of you in one way or another work in the Philippines defense establishment. All of us have advised, uh, you know, the defense officials in different capacities. Josh, let's, let me try to uh, start with you. But Navy, ka, what's happening with the Philippine Navy? Because I think the... Uh, no, I, I once worked uh, AFP, Joint Forces. Uh, joint Forces. Force manager. My apologies for that. But my, my point is, of course, I mean, because I'm on Philippine Navy, so AFP, right? Um, uh, speaking of the Philippine Navy, I mean, the, 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 the capital ships I saw were not too bad. And it looks, looks like Korea is playing a very, very important role in, in our acquisition of modern warships, practically all the modern warships I saw were Korean, except that one was semi-modern made in Indonesia. But I saw the map for 2028, what the Philippine Navy could look like in 2028, thanks to Korea coming in and helping us. But others are coming. The French are offering submarines. The, the Americans are offering all sorts of different advanced weaponries. Uh, what are we looking at? Are we looking at in the five years from now, uh, a very different? Like The reason I'm saying is that like I, I remember very when I was young, when you say BGC, it was like just Prince of Jaipur and Embassy Club, right? And then it was like parking lot. Ten years later, it's like a mini Dubai. So that made me realize, do not underestimate the Philippines. Sometimes in a decade, you can see a massive transformation of the country. And the Philippine Navy compared to 10 years ago, I think has come a long way. And I'm optimistic in the next five years, it will still go a long way. Now, uh, Philippine Coast Guard, uh, we talked to some of our friends based in Japan. Their argument is actually Philippine Coast Guard right now is arguably the best in Southeast Asia, at least in terms of in, in, in some dimensions because of multi-role vessels and some of the improvements we made. So in short, what I'm saying is that let's not get ahead of ourselves, but stop having this loser, self-deprecating mindset. 
A loser mindset is what we cannot afford. As I said, you go middle, at least if not big, you go home otherwise, right? So so please, Lang, let's get rid of this loser mindset. But is there a basis to get rid of the loser mindset, Josh? There's a big difference between a defeatist and a skeptic. No, kasi ang, 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 ang sa akin kasi dito, when you talk about defense planning, as part of the force manager once upon a time na, na, na researcher, is that uh, ang problem ko kasi dito is that sa conventional west, wisdom natin is that when you talk about naval expansion, are we talking about a big flotilla of ships katulad ng Indonesia? If, if not the United States, of course. Of course, the answer is no. But how much is enough? As a, as a as a as a fleet, no, na as part of the fleet, uh, the future force structure ng ng armed forces of the Philippines, and it's and and, and this is something na napaka difficult na natanong kasi how much is enough? You have to keep asking yourself, but at the same time, you the basic answer is just good enough. The question is how good enough? Ang um, makakasagot lang nito ay yung political establishment. This is what I want because this is my and goal, sabi nga ni Justin. Okay, if that is the case, then sasabihin ng Philippine Navy as a force provider, this is what we want. But ang nangyayari sa atin, nag-send yung Philippine Navy natin, ang tech- yung technical working team natin na ito po ang kailangan namin, future fleet, uh, fleet, desired for, uh, the, tawag dito, 2012, uh, Philippine fleet, uh, desired fleet mix, yun ang tinatawag nila. Ang problema, oh no, that's a bit too expensive in terms of the capital outlay na uh, expenditure natin. So, 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 ang gusto kong sabihin dito is that nung sinabi natin that we want this to happen and then ito yung sinasabi ng military natin, then nabibigla ka. Teka lang, uh, nag-i-step back ka na. Or, you don't have any choice but to keep your your economy performing so that you can you can put the force requirements at the table and realize it on the ground or should i say in water and in, in the maritime domain no so so yun yung yun yung kailangan natin makita ang ang hindi natin mawawala dito is that yung kon, pag conflict natin doon sa tinatawag nating skepticism of what we can really achieve versus wala na lang tayong gagawin right so so i'll leave very it good very good distinction i mean uh yeah i mean well i would add also that what we can consider uh, i mean your point of reference is actually china right that's the problem what will be even the minimum depends i mean if china is building nga, super warship every year so, yeah so so determine what ang sagot ko dito yeah. it all boils down on force employment who is the threat and where will it be tayo muna magsabi is china a threat friends to all enemies to none, that's not a good policy guidance for the defense sector. Okay, sabihin na natin. Let's play it out. Paglaruan it's a good natin. tourism. Publicly, publicly, oh, ikaw na naman, dyan ka na naman. So, so publicly, sabihin na natin just to keep our people calm, no problem. Uh, don't designate China as a threat. Pero, behind closed doors, at least, dapat nagkakaintindihan tayo sino ba ang piniprepare natin. Kasi, defense budget is a lot of money. When you talk, when you, just to think about it. Kasi magkakaroon ng ripple effect yan sa training, sa doctrine, sa bibilihin natin. Ang daming trabaho niyan. So, political establishment to. Uh, China, is it a military threat? Yes or no? Uh, skeptic ka ba na kakayanin mo? And then, just surrender. Ang problema, you are a republic. 
So therefore, you have no choice but to see China vis-a-vis -vis your national interests. But, so, but Josh, I think the question of whether China is an external threat has more or less been established by our national security papers. The problem is that the political establishment doesn't yeah. want to make a public declaration. Eh? No? Yeah. So, so it brings a slight confusion actually. Justin uh, in the previous episode that uh, I think the president has to be more bold in, in the policy guidance. Because mm -hmm. uh, you hedging, for instance, it's a good IR term. I promise you, it's good for the people from the Department of Foreign Affairs. It's a good guidance, but for the national defense, people, I see what you're saying. Not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I, I want to add to this. I mean, and I want to get Miko's point of view and Justin and this. A obviously, it's about dealing with the Chinese threat. Okay, I think it takes a lot of you know. Okay, I want to be nice about this. Oops. Um, Okay, whatever. It takes a lot of, mom I mean, acrobatics not to see that, right? Or maybe more than acrobatics. But the other thing is, you know, I, I had this uh, bunch of interviews and discussion with our American friends, Greg Pauling, a uh, very good friend of mine from CSIS. One of the things we mentioned is that the Philippines cannot be an ally of, you know, real estate tenant ally relationship. It has to be an ally that can also provide operational support to the United States. Like, I think at the very least, we have to be like, you know, middle powers that can send, you know, to, I don't know, near, uh, you know, Djibouti, right? Like for counter piracy operation. If not Djibouti, at least, you know, there in Malacca Strait. Do you get what I'm saying? It's also about not projection of power, but projection of responsible, uh, you know, contribution to international security. We want to be also that kind of ally, right? Uh, gentlemen, Miko, uh, just, maybe Justin first, and then we can go to Miko. Just say, right? I mean, it, it, it's also about that. That's why we need, strategic parochialism is our problem. We have to look at contributing actively to international peace and security beyond peacekeeping forces deployment. Yeah, definitely. I think we do have... I think I I have a more realistic take on this. No, why do we send out, for example, contingents of Filipino troops to UN peacekeeping missions? It goes back to the point that actually it contributes to your capability because you give combat experience sometimes to your troops. That's the bottom line. You know, we had we had a you know a Filipino contingent who stood in the Golan Heights. I think twenty fourteen. Yeah, right. Uh, they they stood up against pressure. Uh, to capitulate. Uh militarily but you know it, it gives them valuable experience which we can also use because you have to under, we have to understand that you know territorial defense doesn't happen um doesn't happen overnight so in the for example if we're preparing for let, let's assume that if we're preparing for the contingency and conflict with china we're never going to have that experience until it happens right so what we can do is to try to um send out um our for our forces gain give them more exposure how to operate equipment how to deal deal with hostile environments and so forth so that's the military um that's the military value of that so in that sense so it hindi lang nga siya values based um foreign policy it's actually a realistic foreign policy as well for us i would like to point out though na on 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 the subject ng capability build up ng philippines yung biggest problem kasi natin ngayon is we, what we have patchwork modernization meaning patche patche tayo eh. like um four days ago si senator bato de la rosa said that you know the afp modernization program for, from horizon one to horizon three based on data released by dnd is actually under way underfunded no yung horizon three the latest one is only funded at 33 percent of the ideal budget request of dnd for next year so 
um, that in itself is a problem, right? And legislators need to realize that when you when you fund capability upgrades, hindi pwedeng mag, magpa-prioritize ka lang ng certain something because the modernization works as a concept, right? So for example, if we're modernizing the Philippine Navy um, and they have, for example, what we call the fortress fleet strategy, meaning to say, aside from yung ships na pinaprocure natin, we're also going to buy coastal defense systems, yung mga missile systems. Now, we recently procured um, one from India, right? All these things, they operate in tandem. Because frankly, we cannot match China ship for ship, resource for resource. That's not an effective use of our resources. No? Mababangkarote tayo, right? And China has done that, for example, with Taiwan. Na they, they, it, they intrude into Chinese air, airspace every day to the point that Taiwan stopped responding to every incursion because it's a waste of um, jet fuel, for example. So it's a strategy of strategic exhaustion as well um, for, for their part. So yung Philippine strategy is we need to have a more coherent and well-funded set of modernization. Then finally, I think um, what needs to be improved is what's the operating concept um, that we're leading to dito sa modernization ito, no? Because capability is also about how you employ that force. It's not just about what you have. And that's the problem we had with China, no? yung gray zone strategy that um, yung rules of engagement ng AFP natin is not used to dealing with, for example, a uh, suspicious Chinese maritime vessel that is not so that is not allegedly tied to the to its uh, to, to the PLA navy no but you know intelligence say that they really are connected the maritime militia nila really is connected to that so all these things have to work in tandem no the, the resource has to be there the concept of how to use that resource has to be there and i think that's the big problem that we have right now because right now we still don't have a response for example how to deal with yung mga unsafe maneuvers by Chinese ships na kaya nagko-collide sila with the Philippine Coast Guard ships, for example. How do we deal with that? Right? Do we make an explicit claim that, hey, if a collision at sea happens, we're going to call in the mutual defense treaty with the US? We actually don't have even the basic guidelines. When are we going to activate Article 4 of the mutual defense treaty? Right? We don't have it right now. So we need to think about the specifics of all these things. Is there a template? I mean, I think the U.S. Navy, was it back in 2019, kind of started treating Chinese militias as extension of the Chinese PLA Navy. So the rules of engagement update, got updated. President Marcos was in the Pentagon, got the, you know, I don't know, 18-gun salute, whatever. And one of the things they discussed inside the Pentagon was the guidelines of our mutual defense treaty and potentially dealing with cyber attacks and other kind of non-conventional or non-lethal kind of attacks. You no, know? So I, it looks like we're looking in that direction, right? But I mean, do, do, do you have any template in mind in terms of dealing with gray zone strategies? So that China, because China ha now has the upper hand, they have the initiative. We're still scrambling on how to deal with them. Does Japan provide a template in how they deal in the Senkaku issue? Is, is there any country that is providing any template on how to deal with gray zone uh, kind of uh, harassment and bullying? Right. Uh -huh. Ang, ang basic approach ko to this anyone issue, no aside from Justin can also answer I mean this is the question for all of us sure um maybe Miko would, would like to deal with this Miko you want to go I mean, again this is a discussion so it doesn't have to be one person Miko, okay, uh, you, you have an reason Justin already started I'll, go to okay, okay. I'll just make a quick point about this I think yung response to Grayson at least for me is response not to any specific incident but just a general principle of of policy a policy statement, let's say you put it in, in a subsequent bilateral defense guideline, that if China purposely sinks a Philippine vessel, 
then that will make the Philippines activate the mutual defense treaty. Kasi ngayon, ambiguous yun eh. Are we going to call the Americans if we have an incident at sea that results in loss of life? We don't have a clear guide like that. So we need to put it in writing. What's um, the what's the rules of engagement with respect uh, to the United States? And of course, what is our position, right? Because I understand some politicians here are not comfortable um, making an are not comfortable making a big issue out of West Philippine Sea incidents, right? Like during the Duterte administration, merong ramming incident. Some Filipino fishermen were left stranded at sea. What was the political response of the administration? Is to downplay the incident. And you know, to be frank, that's also a legal thing they could do. They can they can just play it off in the name of sustaining good relations with China. So we do have to settle first. How do we treat um those incidents, especially yung mga military in nature, no? Um. So before, kasi fisher fisher boats yung problem natin. Ngayon talaga, there is a real risk that, for example, China might sink one of the coast guard vessels or one of the commissioned vessels or the, the hired vessels we're doing para mag-resupply ng BRP Sierra Madre. And we need to make it um, public what what that what that threshold is going to be. Kasi yung lack of threshold na yan, China is taking advantage of that. Yeah. If I if I may add lang sir no. Uh I think connected din to dun sa earlier discussion on on AFP modernization. I think yung part of our response or at least approach no to to the gray zone uh, issue here is yung education and training din eh uh, kasi it's a critical component of the modernization yeah it's also very important to underscore na it's not just about uh, as in na mentioned ni Justin kanina yung we, we simply cannot match no yung ship per ship and so on and so on uh yung education and training and even doctrine it's a critical component of the modernization as well uh we must remember because it's not very familiar to the general public maybe as opposed to the police no uh and other civilian organizations yung sa AFP kasi not everyone in the AFP are in the are in the war fighting business meron tayong combat there is combat support there is logistics and so on uh it is and yung uh different fields of specialization within the armed forces uh when uh the military personnel officers and listed personnel talk to one another don mo makikita yung differences of opinion there so what am what am i driving at here it is crucially important na doon sa education and training of our of our uh, soldiers sailors marines airmen uh yung pag-impart ng strategic mindset not just the own uh, part nung uh, of course important in yung mga tactical uh, support combat support and so on those are important things so if they're wrong but you know, having that strategic mindset lalo na when they occupy higher positions of command and responsibility that is very important doon ngayon papasok yung importance what uh, uh, prof richard was asking about earlier yung importance of uh, our engagement with other countries and yung education ng ating officers Napakahalaga nun, lalo na in 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 this uh, evolving strategic environment in which uh, in which we uh, find ourselves in. Now, dun sa question ni Sir Kanina on gray zone, uh, again, we must remember na hindi lang sa, sa, sa South China Sea nangyayari yung gray zone na yun. It's a, yun nga, dyan papasok yung political influence operations, yung cyber I think in if not, if, if I'm not mistaken, just this week, merong uh, there's somehow a debate. Kayon do sa paggamit ng TikTok 
NSC is saying one thing that we should ban it, if I'm not mistaken, and then another agency in our government saying we should study it further. So, because uh, in other countries, if, if not mistaken, say US, ata, the gover- uh, if you're a government official, you see government phone, you're prohibited to have it in your phone. Uh, there are similar efforts na dapat daw gawin din natin yun dito. So what 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 am I saying here? Uh, there should be a common understanding among the different government agencies. Kasi hindi na lang to DNA eh. Yung uh, political influence operations happens across different government agencies and in civil society then as well. Uh, how should we, uh, yun nga, sinasabi, whole of nation approach and so on. Ano ba yung understanding natin nun, nung gray zone na yun? Kasi, sa others kasi, if you don't have that national security lens, you will see those uh, uh, economic and technological initiatives as something uh, benign, or at the very least, will not uh, will not do any harm. But for us, uh, that are looking things from a national security lens, uh, it uh, will cause alarm. Because it could have national security implications. So, yung uh, the key point here is yung, yung, uh, the importance of education and training. Uh, yes, of our of our officers uh, and in the armed forces as well, but also yung sa uh, different branches of our of our government and dun sa general public uh, in general. Yeah, sir. Thank you. So, uh, sorry, I think it will be good for Josh also to, to start with this. Okay, so should we look at a porcupine strategy for the Philippines, po- poison shrimp? Let's, let's, let's say it for what it is, right? Realistically, we cannot match China or even a lot of other countries in the region on a you know, head-to-head basis. But I think we can reasonably go for a kind of a porcupine strategy if, if, you know, if that's helping the Taiwanese so far. Why not the Philippines, which has way more population and resources to mobilize when things go south? Hopefully not. Okay. You know. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I want to comment on on this one. Uh, perhaps this is a controversial statement, but my argument is this: not all solutions will be naval, right? Uh, when I say hindi naval ang sagot, because the argument is, ah, the, the, the Philippine Army has to be reduced in its budget, give more money to Navy and Air Force. But the point is this: why? It's all about force employment. How are you going to empower unified commands to, to, to arrange an order of battle? At the point dito is that you cannot fight ship to ship against the Chinese. There's no, there will be an argument, uh, my prognosis will be there, there can hardly be a decisive Mahanyan battle na nakita natin sa Battle of Midway, Battle of Tsushima, or Battle of Jutland. Uh, there, there can hardly be such a thing for the Philippine case. So my my point is this. You have you would understand bakit hindi pa rin natin sinusuko yung uh, bulk of budget sa Philippine Army. No? You will understand that nag-activate na tayo ng territorial defense natin sa Philippine Army. They're transitioning for the very reason that you have to understand perhaps not everything can be solved dito sa may tubig ang, ang argument kasi kailangan dalhin natin yung yung labanan away from our territory but the point is this uh you can't do that you have to have a credible ISR capability you need a good amount of logistics that could sustain that presence out there mahirap yon mahirapan tayo you need a lot of money i wish we could but we can't so porcupine strategy is something that we can play out, but it has to be underscored for many factors. One for which is that I'm imagining the the will to fight ng civilians alongside soldiers. Because 
most likely kapag nangyari na may labanan dito sa land, it's gonna be chaotic. Just imagine Metro Manila, papunta pa lang tayo sa work, hassle na. So imagine an urban warfare in Metro Manila. It's gonna be it's gonna be a problem and that's gonna be a center of gravity para sa mga sa enemies natin kasi ang, ang, ang magiging operational concept is that you have to capitulate the government. The Philippine government once that happens. I think we should have learned what happened back in the Second World War. Yun ang nangyari when the Imperial Japanese uh, forces came in, stormed in central Luzon, northern to central Luzon. Ang bilis lang eh, kasi planes lang eh, di ba? Uh, yung, yung plane lang yung from Lingayan, Pangasinan, papunta dito sa may Metro Manila. So, so hardly that we can imagine that Metro Manila is the center of everything. We have to understand that we have to empower operational uh, level yung unified commands natin to defend the entire archipelago and we have to we have to take a make the enemy guess kung saan ang center of gravity natin very right? good point so so yon yeah, uh, inevitable na magkakaroon ng labanan dito so we have to understand philippine army will still have a good amount of budget aside from the navy and air force kailangan joint forces eh. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. I think earlier this year, uh, there was a massive army exercise in Fort Magsaysay, right? Uh, and uh, they were employing Ukraine-style, uh, you know, uh, war tactics, which tells you we are preparing for a potential invasion of Luzon uh, should things go ugly. And I think in Balikatan, we also had the kind of a uh, flavor of that. So, so, Josh, okay, you're saying it shouldn't be Philippine Navy only, but given how historically there has been overemphasis on land warfare capability because of internal insurgency, don't you think that you need a certain level of uh, Navy first kind of mindset para lang maayos natin, ma-offset natin yeah. itong historical imbalances? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? There's a value uh, yeah. to exaggerating the role of Philippines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I think ang argument ko dito, this is, where, this is where you have to understand your limits. Ang, ang, ang prognosis ko kasi dito is that limited talaga ang sea power natin. I don't think that in an, in an event of a an open conflict the order of battle will will be that we'd, we would have a, a a good amount of uh principal uh combat surface capabilities let alone two pieces of submarines in the order of battle. Come on. Now let's not kid ourselves here. So perhaps if you want to have an advantage over the sea perhaps you can leverage on naval mines. Pero maraming usapin on environmental catastrophe, of course. So, so, so sa akin, uh, pasensyahan na sa mga tropa natin dito. Pero uh, I'm just being realistic here na may hirapan tayo. Even if we, you know, achieve yung desired fleet uh, force mix natin sa 2028, it's still not enough. That is why... That is why operational level commands, unified commands, has to be empowered on how to be creative. You know, mm. let not the president nor the secretary of national defense def decide on what will, what kind of tactics they should employ. Let Nolcom, let Westcom do this, and trust that they will do this in the interest of the republic. So, may level of civil military relations dynamic dito. Uh, Josh, let me push back against that a little bit. Again, this is for the sake of discussion. Well, we're, we live in an era of A2AD. We live in an era of asymmetric capabilities. We live in an era of anti-cruise missile capability. We live in an era of swarming strategies. We see, for instance, Iran uh, deploying that quite effectively in the Persian Gulf, right? Uh, they're facing the most powerful navy in the world. But 
you know, they can pose a counter threat should things get ugly. I mean, my my, my point here is that the invention of drones or, the you know, the drone warfare we saw in Azerbaijan, Armenia, in Ukraine, Russia. My, my sense is I completely agree with you that that idea of, uh, you know, uh, set piece battle in the high seas. Yeah, forget about that. But Philippine Navy having a lot of drones, anti-cruise capability. Yeah. Things China is doing to the U.S. right now, or Iran is doing to the U.S. Yeah. I think we can go down the yeah. road too, right? Yeah. Against China, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, 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 so doing yeah, that. I think, in principle, Richard, I agree with you in that idea. Because a force, an ideal force structure, sabi ni ng Australian general si Mikrayan in his book, na an ideal force structure should be a combination of fire and forget autonomous weapon systems, and at the same time, ito mga flashy, expensive na mga man capabilities natin. Kasi, ang, ang sa akin kasi, parang ang nangyayari kasi dito is that we're living, there's another, parang sinasabi mo kasi dito, Richard, is that there's a scenario whereby we're all on this alone. Indeed, I think we have a unilateral defense plan, as tweeted ni, ni Justin, you know, na hindi pinag-uusapan. No? Uh, there's another scenario then that we can we have to consider that the United States will be there. So sa akin kasi, perhaps the reason I mentioned that is that I'm assuming that I'm letting the United States Navy 7th Fleet handle the high seas battle and let, according to our national interests, protect our own sea lanes and increase our command and control capabilities with the Americans so that they can control the rest of the high sea concerns and let our territorial archipelagic security intact. So, yun yung, yun, yung, yun yung aking assumption on this one. Yeah. But yeah, drones, swarming swarming tactics is a good way to cover large large enough coastlines na kailangan natin compensate. Yeah. Uh, uh, Justin, you want to talk about that lonely yeah. fight scenario apocalypse? Uh, yeah. I think, uh, before I, I get to that question, yung porcupine strategy kasi meron ding internal debate yan with, it, with itself, right? Do you acquire yung mga flash, yung mention ni Joshua, flashy, um, cost investment heavy equipment or yung what they call a large number of small things, like, which is the Ukrainian strategy, right? And I would actually argue that hindi siya 100% applicable to the Philippine case because we don't have land, you know, land, land battles in, in the immediate area that's going to be attacked by China in a contingency. So you're talking of naval battles there, which are essentially... Um, capital-intensive heavy uh, battles. So you're talking about corvettes, you're talking about your, your surface fleet, ranged fires, yung mga missile system, air defenses, and so forth. Yung mga bagay na yun, these things we need to invest on. So hindi na, we cannot have modernization on the cheap. No? Hindi tayo pwede magtipid dito talaga. And to begin with, any self-respecting country should have missile defense systems to begin with. So the idea that you know the AFP is being a drain on the resources of the country it's actually should be put into perspective. It's not even three percent of our GDP, which is more in line with um our regional neighbors. No, so so that's one thing. In terms of yung yung point on a scenario wherein we we do have to fight um unilaterally, no, you, the AFP calls that the unilateral defense plan, and there is actually that um contingency. Na, let's assume no that the United States doesn't come to the aid of the Philippines. We should be prepared for that, and you know, it's it's not something you know. Ang, ang spin kasi dyan, oh, the United States is an unreliable ally and so forth. But any self-respecting country should be able to defend its national territory on its own, right? And we should have that capability. And the problem is, 
um, those advocating for a position uh, na we need to be friends with China, they're also not advocating for beefing up the capabilities of our military. So it would be, I would be perfectly fine with it if they advocate that yes, you should have a large navy, yes, you should use that navy to counter China's growing expansion. But the problem is, ginagawa nilang bundle eh, na to make peace with China, you have to sort of neuter your military. You have to, you know, you, you have Peacement. to... Peacement. Yeah. Self-mutilation. Yes. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's a good term for it. Self-mutilation. So, oh. um, in, the, in that sense, no, um, yung porcupine strategy natin should be, frankly speaking, maximizing the costs for China. It's really A to AD, you know, it's area and access denial for China. Yeah. That's really what it is, no? Um, it's to make sure that even if we can't meet them ship for ship in, let's say, the West Philippine Sea, we do have capabilities to neutralize them, such as yung mga shore-based um, missile batteries and so forth, which we are actually procuring right now. So we are heading in the right direction. It's a question of whether we do have the funding for it. That's um, that's it from that's it from a capability standpoint. Fantastic. We're already approaching three hours of conversation. I can see that the drain tayo. I still had many questions. I, I have notes here and all. I want to talk about the Goldilocks alliance with the United States. I want to talk about the whole thing. In fact, the grand strategy balikan natin. But but maybe we have we can wrap up the episode here because sumusoko na yung mga followers natin. Although I mean, some of our followers were even pointed out. Your exercise actually was. Uh, um, cope thunder exercise. I think sinasabi ko na you know yung natalo natin F twenty two, di ba? So you can see, you know, people watching us know a thing or two. So I'm very glad na natutuwan tao sa discussion natin almost three hours. Maybe just um some final post uh points to wrap up this episode. So I don't know, poison shrimp meets A to A D meets porcupine. Uh, what are we looking at here? Uh, Miko, maybe I'll start with you before I go to Josh and Justin for closing remarks for this really fascinating episode. Like we're already talking about apocalyptic uh, scenarios, but this is what I I don't think economics is the real grim science. Ours is the grimmest of sciences, right? War studies and international affairs. Go ahead, Miko. Yeah, uh, this has been a very fascinating conversation. I mean, uh, the, the inputs and the perspectives that the uh, that the uh, user and uh, Justin and Joshua has raised are really very uh, very interesting and indeed very helpful for for. Uh, for the defense planners. Uh, what I'll say though is this briefly, uh, and I'll jump off where uh, uh, Justin uh, has left off. Yung, the important thing, I guess, here is that coming from a military background is always prepare for the worst case scenarios. Uh, yung, uh, of course, we could hope for the best, but preparing for what could uh what could happen in the future yung worst case scenarios what will happen if the us will not uh, come to our assistance these are all very important uh areas in which uh our planners uh should be uh also focusing on though uh, i will not go into the details as an active officer i i am talking uh, to uh my my uh superiors but uh what I'll say though is this: the uh, importance. Uh, it is also important to highlight that in the last two administrations, the plan defense planning is going a bit more institutionalized as opposed to before. Uh, to be fair to the middle level managers of our of our defense establishment and the armed forces, talagang may effort naman talaga. 
na to to institutionalize defense planning and to be fair I, I mentioned this in the previous episodes na yung Duterte administration uh, for all of uh, the noise that we have heard no i mean uh, in the in, in in the six years it, that it was in power it is very important also to to underscore na yung Duterte administration had i think yung uh, very sequential planning uh it started with an NSP and it, and it for the first time in our history nagkaroon ng NSS and we had an NDS tapos uh, ito hindi ito masyadong napag-uusapan sa public we had a national military strategy then under the Duterte administration although just a footnote here we also had a national military strategy in the Aquino administration but the problem was we did not have an NSS and an NDS during that time so what i'm driving at here is that uh while there is still work to be done uh yung yung ginagawa ng mga middle level managers in our defense establishment uh to institutionalize all of this planning there is what we call i mean Justin knows this uh coming from the uh planning office of the DND yung defense system of management uh talagang uh this is an out uh a product of uh, the JTA assessment during the uh, sorry the Arroyo administration. Now, to be fair, it's been 2003, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's now 2023. So again, to give credit to those individuals, uh, our bureaucrats, who uh, the public may not may not know or may never know. Uh, they are, may not be as popular or as prominent as other officials, but they are doing the efforts na, na may not be fully appreciated by the public. So I'll stop there, sir. Thank you, thank you. So they may not be as popular as Robin Hood and Bado, but they're doing their job. Okay, just to spice it up. Um, Josh, uh, the last points? Well, ang, ang pinag-uusapan kasi natin tong itong AFP modernization na magastos talaga siya. Uh, inevitable sa isang republic na mag-spend. Actually, hindi nga siya expenditure. I love my undergrad uh, economics professor. Sabi niya, these things are not expenses. These are investments. Diba? So, national defense is an investment for a purpose. Ang tanong, bakit natin gagawin to? It's a good thing to say na poprotektahan natin ang territorial integrity, uh, sovereignty. Pero it's also a question, for what purpose? What do you want? Diba? So every time we talk about these strategies, please understand, uh, mga kababayan, na hindi tayo, nang, hindi tayo nagsusow ng war dito. Ang uh, pinag-uusapan natin dito is that if dumating yung mga scenarios na ayaw natin, while at the same time, may mga gusto tayong gawin sa buhay. What are we gonna do about it? And what are we willing to, to sacrifice? It's better to, to invest now. No? I sound like a financial planner. <laughs> Nagbibenta ng, ng policy. Pero, pero uh, usapin kasi ito ng ating what we hold dear as a republic. As I mentioned in, my pre- in the previous episode, bata pa ang republika. Bata pa lang tayo, mangarap na tayo. No? Ang mga pangarap natin dapat it has to be backed up with capabilities. Hindi tayo nagde-daydreaming. Itigil na natin ang Juan Tamad principle na sana ang kapayapaan at kaunlaran ay darating na lamang. As much as we want that that we want to have a serene na waters for our fishers to have, others have a vote. 
Hindi porque ito yung gusto mong version of future mangyayari yan. A future will always be contested. The question will be, what kind of future do you want? That is why we lay out these planning, scenarios, wargaming, uh, discussions, bardagulan, marketplace of ideas. It's because we all want the same thing. That is Philippine interest to be upheld for a young republic such as ours. I'll leave it there. Thanks, Josh. And Justin, last points? Yeah, last point for me. Ito, ko to. Before we had this discussion, I thought, what do I want to impart to the readers? And for me, it's very simple. We've talked about the technical side of defense planning, but I want it, my point to be on the political rationale. Bakit nga ba natin ginagawa lahat ito? No? And for me, it's a simple fact that contrary to the rhetoric we're hearing out there, we are not being dragged into conflict. We ourselves already are in conflict. Deny it as much as we want. No? Whether or not nandito yung United States, we will have we will have tensions with China. No? Look no further than the 2012 Scarborough Shoal incident. No? Bakit nga ba nagsimula itong whole history of the, our tensions with China? The Philippine Navy and Coast Guard tried to interdict illegal Chinese fishers in our exclusive economic zone, which China tried to deny. Right. So in short, it is trying to deny a sovereign function of the Philippine government. So, hindi natin mawi-wish away yung mga tensions na to. Eh. So, we need to prepare for them. No? Um, so, that's, that's really why we're doing what we are doing. No? Um, all these tensions, nagsimula yan just between us and China. The U.S. is an ad- addition to that story because the Philippines tried to you know, bring them in. And up to today, we're still doing that. But when you look at how this story began, it's between us and China. And that's the important takeaway um, that we have to focus on here. So I like to end with a quote, Nona. If you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. And I think that's what's important here. We need to be clear about what is it we're standing up for? What's the floor? What's the ceiling of our defense policy? Why we're doing what we're doing? And you know, um, how do we respond to these threats to, set, to territorial integrity? You know? It's also a respect, not just to ourselves, um, but to previous generations of Filipinos and also to those yet to come. Thank you. Thank you. Parang ano, uh, political speech. You know, but that was that was really good. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. Uh, I can see a lot of excitement support. There's, believe me or not, there's still some people following us. Almost three hours of conversation. If it were not for Friday traffic and long day and my calls and all, I'm sure you know I don't mind doing Joe Rogan for five hours even. But just that tells you, no, that 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 tells you how much more there is to discuss. I'm already thinking about next episode on Philippine-US alliance, how to make it the best possible alliance. I'm already thinking about Philippines and the middle powers like Japan and India. I'm already thinking about how to get it right with China. So so the discussions are so enriched that it topics already at the back of my my mind. No, So thank you so much for, for sharing your voice. Thank you so much also for everyone supporting us. Um, thankfully, I mean, some people made kind contributions online and all, which we'll use for the editing and just setting this up. So I, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, looking forward to more of this, uh, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Miko Galang, Justin Bakisal, and Joshua Espena. And looking forward also to be joined by other folks in the future as we discuss the Philippines' foreign policy and defense pol- policy in the 21st century. Maram Salamat. God bless and have a happy weekend, gentlemen. Thank you.